0: I don't know how all of you are feeling. Perhaps we're a little bit nervous, a bit excited about the match tonight. Um, And... uh Tonight is all about team isn't it? It's all about gathering together and supporting our boys and uh, haven't they done a great job? Um, Really not only on the pitch but off the pitch as well in the ways that they've been generous, in the ways that they've lived a bit distinctively and uh, this uh, passage that we've just uh, had read is a little bit about this kind of distinctive living. Living going against the tide of culture, going against the tide of perhaps history and saying we're going to take hold of a new and different future. And it's a young team and they've been chosen specifically because they are so much younger, so that actually they can for many years represent our nation. And the nation of Israel here in this passage, a group of them are standing apart uh, with sackcloth, with dust on their head uh, from building the wall, (laughs) Uh, but also as a sort of sign of their repentance, as a sign of their confession. And they've had the law read to them on day one but actually we join this on day 24. So they've had truth spoken over them this group of people and it's been a bit sort of like a tea bag, if you like it's been permeating in them for all of this time and what it does is it's suddenly there's this sort of outburst of confession and adoration For their god this actual testifying to the goodness and the faithfulness of god and as they worship him as they glorify him we see this confession pouring out of them and in this last year or more this last 18 or 19 months one thing we've known for sure is that that past culture of individualistic living is not really going to wash anymore. We've learnt, haven't we, that to live for yourself, to live selfishly, is a very lonely place, a very isolating place. But to live with and for one another, to join together, as Tim taught us last week, to hold on to one another, is vital for our future and for our present time. Every one of us will have a favourite story, perhaps from lockdown, uh, that inspires us. But one of my, I suppose my touching stories that I came across was about um, some adjoining flats in London in the first lockdown and a young guy uh, in his early 20s uh, loved to play piano. He was on his own as many of us were in lockdown and so every day he would just play the piano as a way to sort of calm him and to, uh, to sort of flourish him I guess. And he would do that every day, but he noticed as this carried on that the guy in the flat or the person in the flat next door who he would never met would join in at two o'clock in the afternoon and if he was playing a piece and this person knew it they would actually start to duet together through the wall and play together and make beautiful music by playing together and this continued and I was reading it thinking oh is this a little budding romance or something but no what it was actually was the beginning of a beautiful friendship between a 23 year old and a 79 year old man from Poland who was living in temporary accommodation whose wife had died in the first week of of Covid the lockdown and who was grieving he was grieving and what his wife loved him to do was to play piano at two o'clock in the afternoon and so what he would do is he would play at two o'clock and the guy next door would play alongside him and in the end the young student guy put a note under the door and said I'm just so enjoying playing together and I can't wait to to really meet and, and have a chat with you which they did But I think there's something isn't there in that where we want our song, our music, if you like, to enhance each other's lives. And that's what's going on here with the Israelites, that they are saying we together want to sing of our God, together we want to sing of his faithfulness, but also together we want to confess. And I think that's the bit that's a bit tricky this morning. So we're going to look briefly at three points, three aspects of this very short passage in many ways. Firstly, the brokenness that the Israelites are experiencing. So they've been through loads of opposition. They've got things wrong. They've got the war built, but they have really faced a lot of tumult as, as we have. Secondly, living a distinctive life. They set themselves apart, not because they're holier than thou, the opposite. They've set themselves apart to say, we need to confess that we have not lived as we should. And then third and finally, that confession is an act of love and faith. It's an act of outpouring of love. Sometimes we see it perhaps as a negative or an onerous thing, but it's an act of love and we're going to look at that. So firstly in verse 1 we read the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth having dust on their heads and these outer signs of the dust and what they were wearing was to do with brokenness. It was almost like physically they were wearing their brokenness. The dust if you like representing dirt representing not the fact that they'd just sort of got muddy doing all the building work, but actually representing things that they'd got wrong. And the same with the sackcloth, a visual demonstration of the fact that they know that actually they need healing and they need forgiveness. And one of the things that they acknowledge in the verses ahead is that they have received everything from God and acknowledged very little They've received everything from God, and yet they say we've acknowledged very little. And I don't know about you, but that resonates with me, that I know in my life I've received great, great blessing, but I need to remind myself of it so that I don't get complacent, so that we don't stop being a grateful people. And in a way, the Israelites take a pause and they say, we want to stay a grateful people and haven't we learned that a little bit over this last year or so? We've lived through real, real hardships. So many of us have. But also we've learned to be a more grateful people. Grateful for every day because we've not known what's going to happen the following day. So we've held on to that gratitude and learned perhaps to express it a little bit more. And as I was reading this and and reading around this subject, one thing that occurred to me again and again was that it is our brokenness that leads us to a loving God. It's our brokenness that leads us to Jesus Christ. It's our brokenness and our brittleness, if you like, that needs to lead us to the foot of the cross. Because we all have brokenness, as these guys here do have. And we can either turn and say, well, I don't want to know you, God, because I've got shame in my life, or I've got unforgiveness, or I've been hurt, or I've lost my job, or I've lost a member of my family. Whatever our pain is, whatever our brokenness is, there are two ways that we can respond. We can run away and bury that pain, or we can do what these guys do here and just say, no, we bring it to you, God, because you are able, because there is so much love in you, God, that we bring it to you. And certainly in my life, there are those compulsions both ways, aren't there? There's the one to hide. And it's interesting, I wonder what has been going on for these 24 days before this happens, because they heard the truth on the first day of the month. And yet by God's gentle hand, he's been cajoling them into this act, not condemning them, but convicting them. And I've said this before, but I do believe it bears repetition. If you've grown up or perhaps you've had a a sort of faith that has led to you feeling condemned in some way, our Christian faith, our faith in Jesus is not about condemnation. It's about conviction wanting to change, wanting to have a new heart that actually only God can give us by his grace and his mercy so that we are not condemned but we are forgiven as these guys are with their dust and their their sackcloth. So we come to a God of love And, and many weeks ago we were looking in our series on Genesis at the fact that when sin first came into the world Adam and Eve hid from God They had their brokenness, but they hid it instead of bringing it to God. And God cried out in the the Garden of Eden. He cried out, where are you, Adam and Eve? Not what have you done, if you remember. And I think that's hugely significant, even as we come to this passage today, that God is just saying to his people, where are you? Come. He's gathering them together so that he can heal their land, heal their nation, pour his love out into each one of them with his love. Frederick Beuchner says to confess your sins to God is not to tell him anything he doesn't already know. Until you confess them however they are the abyss, the gap between you. When you confess them they become the bridge. And I I love that quote because it's so uplifting to know that as we confess whatever we have done wrong that might separate us from this love of God, that actually the bridge that we have is in the New Testament is Jesus. That he made a way, as we've just been singing, he made a way for you and I to be forgiven, not just this day, but every single day of our lives. There's a great quote from Redpath, it won't all come up on the screen, but some of it will. He says this, how often the discovery of something new in the loveliness of the Lord Jesus has brought with it the discovery of some new corruption in our own hearts. God will never plant the seed of his life upon the soil of a hard, unbroken spirit. He will only plant that seed where the conviction of his spirit has brought brokenness. Where the soil has been watered with the tears of repentance as well as tears of joy. That's a long old quote, but I love it because of that sense of the watering that brokenness needs and can receive. The soil that has been watered, and also the fact that Redpath says it's the discovery of the beauty of the love of Jesus that leads to that confession, not the other way around. In other words, confession comes from a place of love and not of fear. Pete Grieg reminds us that there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in us. I love that as part of the prayer course, which I know some of you've been doing online. There is more grace in Christ than there is sin in us. And as we come on to the second verse we read that the Israelites have separated themselves and it actually says they've separated themselves from foreigners which is a bit shocking when you read it like that until we start to to really unpack what that meant. It meant that they said we want to as the Israelites confess that what we have done wrong is on us And we want to actually say, we are stepping apart here, standing on the rock to say, we want to live differently from here on in. We don't want history to keep going round in circles. We want to, if you like, break the chain and stand apart. And I was thinking of times when we've seen this kind of collective collaborative confession, because actually it's more common than we think. We might think, well, it's a bit weird that they all confess together. Some of you will know that as part of the reconciliation movement in Northern Ireland, there were some incredible revival times. And one such time was where the Catholic church in the town had met to pray and to confess. And there was a lot of weeping and they confessed their prejudice towards the Protestants in the town. They confessed that they hadn't loved well. And they were there that evening. I think it was quite a long prayer meeting that they were having. And suddenly there was a knock on the wooden door of the church. And one of the priests went to the door and found a whole row of Protestants that had been praying and had felt a compulsion to go to the Catholic Church at that time and to confess all the pain that they had caused as well. And there was this time of all of them coming together in that church and weeping before God. Protestants and Catholics, who who we will know from Northern Ireland's history, often at war with one another, coming together And if you're tuning in today, you're joining us here in the room and you have a picture of church that has been distorted by that kind of news in the media where church is at war with itself. We just do want to apologise that that is not God's standard, that actually we want to confess as Riverside that we won't have always got things right. But actually our heart is to please God. And our heart is for moments like that that happened in Northern Ireland where we confess the corruption in our own hearts as we move forwards as Riverside Church, because actually the vision that we've been sharing over these weeks relies on every single one of us, keeping our hearts soft towards God, keeping that absolute joy that we are a forgiven people so that we can reach out to others. I've been very impacted by the churches together in Birmingham, uh, sort of really coming together alongside Black Lives Matter And they have been putting together a charter called Time for Change. I don't know if you've seen it. Do go online. It's timeforchange.org. And uh, people from our church like Andy Mackey have been very involved with that, Steve Botham and others. And there's a sense where the churches have come together and say, we have got this wrong. Systemic racism has crept in and we haven't even seen it and they have come together and built a charter. And I I love what they say in, in the point eight of the charter, but it's worth reading the whole thing. They say, we will bridge the knowledge gap, building a shared understanding of what it's like to be black or of another ethnicity in Birmingham today, understanding the historical context and the damage to their psyche by sustained and systemic racism. And that's just a declaration from the churches here in Birmingham, but I'm sure it will be the same nationally as well, that we want to get rid of that exclusive way that the church has sometimes behaved because we have a God who loves all, who welcomes all, who forgives all, and so that charter is important to us here in the city. And the England team, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, have done well. Those first three forwards that they have, and I'm not a pundit here, I'm trying to sound like I am, I'm really not, (laughs) Um, but actually they're, they're Christian young men who are under a lot of pressure in the media, a lot of pressure on on social uh, media as well. And yet they're making a stand and the whole team have bowed the knee each time to stand together uh, as as a symbol really of the unity that they hold, but also as a symbol for our country and applauded one another and I think you know it's worth mentioning that they're giving away a lot of their money at the moment to the NHS running food banks Marcus Rashford as we know did an awful lot to try and eradicate child hunger because he grew up hungry as a child and these coming togethers the bowing the knee may have been mocked by some but that's an act of confession isn't it You know, it's just saying we stand together, but we kneel to say we want to get this right. We want to be more loving. And as we come to the the kind of final part of these, just these three verses. The Israelites come together and they do two things. They confess and they worship. They confess and they worship. And it's a kind of confession that is really, really out there. It's like there's nothing left that they give it their all. It goes on for quite a long time. I don't know whether I've ever confessed this long. Uh, But Jesus in the New Testament talks about confession with a parable, with a story, which is so often how he taught us. And he compares, if you like, two ways to confess publicly with a Pharisee and a tax collector, and they're different ways of responding. And, um, I grew up the daughter of a tax collector. Some of you know that didn 't tell anyone what my dad did as a job for most of my teenage years because they always said in church that tax collectors were the really naughty ones, so we sort of kept that on the down though uh, but he was uh, he was a good one. I think I like to think he was a generous one but but jesus 's listeners would have known that a tax collector was uh, didn 't have a great reputation let 's put it that way but here 's what he says in comparison. He says, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. And the thing is, I used to think of this parable as a kind of one off event. In other words, we can come to Jesus like the tax collector just once and realised that we're a sinner and that might be many of our stories when we perhaps came to faith or maybe even you still haven't realised just how much God has that love for you that grace for you but I was thinking this week and praying that needs to be a daily kind of act for us doesn't it it's not just a one-off it's actually that's how God always wants us to come knowing that actually his love absolutely amazes us so that we want to to just confess anything that would keep us from him, keep us distanced from him. So how does this work in our daily lives? Because I don't know, some of you may have been Christians for many years, I know I have now. And I think confession sometimes is the bit we leave out. And maybe even as church, sometimes that's been true. That actually perhaps we don't put it into our services as formally. And yet here in this passage, we recognise that part of revival happens when God's people come together and fast and, and confess. And out of their confession comes their worship. And if you're watching in a group at home and you want to pause at this point, you might just want to do that. You might want to pause and just think, well, actually, why don't we? Just confess and have a time of, of actually confessing what it's been like for us this year maybe pouring out some of our brokenness if we feel able to do that with one another you might not want to do that now but I think what's interesting is sometimes we find it easier to confess to God a holy holy God of the universe than to our friends and those we're in relationship with And yet God is God (laughs) and he is holy and he is perfect. And our friends aren't. (laughs) Our friends love us, we hope, and our life groups around you want to spur one another on. And as we do church differently, I think that's going to become more and more important that we can be real with one another, that we can be authentic. I've been struggling with something in my life, which this week I've told two people to really keep me to account on. And it's, it's hard because as soon as you've done it, you get that kind of vulnerability hangover almost of thinking, I wish I hadn't told them that because now it feels really awkward, but I have because I want to keep growing. I want to keep throwing off, if you like, those things that hinder me. Russell Brand, who's a bit Marmite-like, I know some people follow him, some people find him challenging, but he's always got an opinion and uh, he's definitely got a faith. And he says, confession returned me to wholeness with myself and to wholeness with the world. He says, it was a daily restoration a daily restoration, I don't know quite where he's at with his faith, but isn't that amazing that he sees as a recovering addict, as someone who wants to live freely and lightly, that confession is part of that. And so as we respond today and as I come to a close, I just wanted to really remind us that Jesus himself is that bridge The abyss, if you like, has been closed by him living and dying for us. That he is God's demonstration of forgiveness and love for you and I. And maybe you're joining us this morning and you've never got the fact that God's love and his grace and his forgiveness is there for you. You may have thought it was there for your brother or your sister or your friend. You may have seen church as this sort of standalone place that you couldn't have a part of. And yet here we have this ramshackle group of Israelites who've messed up, got it wrong, have faced opposition, got dust on their heads, and yet they're coming together. And that's church. We are a group of ragamuffins, aren't we? As Jeff Lucas once said, we're messed up, hurting, broken, getting it wrong. And we come together, we come together in brokenness. We come together to depend on God's mercy. And as we were praying for this service, I felt God saying, do do test this, but I felt God say something quite specific that I was just gonna read to us. He said, if each of them, if each of you knew my love for them and my delight in them, they would be face down in confession of anything that would keep us apart. And I love the fact that that's the opposite way round to how a lot of us see it. God's not waving the finger saying, you, you need to be face down because you've got a lot to deal with, <laughs> you know, which is often our rhetoric, isn't it? It's the opposite. He says, if each of them knew my love for them, my delight in them, they would be face down in confession of anything that would keep us apart. So as we respond today, may you just know that deep, profound love that God has for you. And that this act of the Israelites on the mountain, if you like, on the stone, on the rock, is based on a response to that love. Because in the next few verses, they'll come on and they'll list all the things that God has done. And, you know, we as church have seen God's faithfulness in this year. We're standing on a bit of a precipice. We know we're stepping out in faith. We need one another and we're going to be looking at that next week particularly. But we do know that God has got us here, hasn't he? that he has been faithful and that we can not only confess that we've not always been grateful, but we can say we trust you, God, for a future. We trust you for revival. This is a picture of revival here. We trust you for it.